Welcome to Tableland Explorers on Faith FM, coming to you from the northern tablelands of New South Wales. I'm Luke, and on Tableland Explorers, we unpack the truths of the Bible and adapt them to our lives. It's so good to be back in the studio today, and I'm so glad that you're joining us wherever you are, whether you're driving, whether you're sitting at home, or laying in bed listening to the Faith FM app. We're so glad that you are joining Tableland Explorers today. We have a really good show lined up for you, and today we have Noah in the studio with me. How are you going, Noah? I'm going good. That's good. Are you staying dry with all this rain that's around? Oh, mostly. With work to do, you can't help it sometimes, but yeah, staying mostly dry. Oh, that's good. I've been staying dry too, but the, the yard's a bit boggy, you know, everything just soaks up the water, and I've got a couple of leaks in the back room, which I've been trying to patch which is being annoying because you patch one leak and then all of a sudden another one pops up oh no i know but hopefully i've sorted it now um but we will see but no you said that you were working and you had to get a bit wet because you're working outside what sort of work you've been doing just sheep work because there's a lot of different diseases that the sheep can get from wet mm-hmm. paddocks, especially foot rot. So we've been giving them a foot bath with stuff in it and what sort of stuff do you put in the foot bath for these sheep Mate, I have no clue. I have no clue what it's called. I just put them through it. Okay, so someone else prepares the water and everything and you just run the sheep through them. Yep. What what are the sheep running through? Like how do you foot bath a sheep? Well, to start off with, we were just putting a little bit of like a tray on the ground full of water and the stuff in it and running them through it. We found out that doesn't actually work. So we had big ram sheep and we had to put them in the water and actually hold them in it for about five minutes, which wasn't heaps of fun because it stings their feet so they don't want to stay in it. Yeah, I bet they don't. Uh, Well, at least you're doing something to look after the sheep. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Luke, so how have you been? How have you been doing? Yeah, not too bad. Busy with work. Um, the last couple of weeks have been not the best weeks. I had uh, an auntie die and a friend die all in the same week. So that was a bit of a yucky week, you know. Um, but, you know, this there's hope that we have in Jesus to be able to one day see them again. You know, mm. that's been able to be a comfort. Um, I haven't been able to spend a lot of time with family because they're over in Western Australia and I'm on the East Coast, um, but I was able to spend some time with a friend of mine that, that lost his dad. Um, so that was really good. I mean, we were all friends as well. We all played hockey together. Um, but that's been the bad side of the week. But, you know, there's, the good side of the week is, you know, we've been getting things done. We've been able to plan for today's episode, um, planning for different events and different things that are happening. So it's been... Not too bad in that sense as well. But something else that was really cool this week, um, during my devotion times, I've been going through First Kings. And I came to First Kings chapter 3, and this is where um, God asked Solomon, I'll give you whatever you want, just ask for it. Mm-hmm. And Solomon asked for wisdom. And I was thinking to myself, you know, this is something that I should be praying for too. You know, as a minister of two churches and dealing with the different things that we're going through at church, you know, I really need to have wisdom. Mm. And so, yeah, that was a really interesting week this week where I was contemplating and spending time in the Word and with God in asking for wisdom, knowing what the Lord's will is for my life. So that's been something that's, you know, been exciting this week for me. Definitely. But hey, Noah, you went on a trip recently, didn't you? 
I did. Now, that trip looked really exciting. Like, I was planning on going on it, but it just didn't work out, so I couldn't go. But would you like to share some highlights of that trip? Yeah, definitely. Well, the first thing that was pretty exciting is that I was taking my car. Oh, nice. You got a car, huh? Yep. And I got to do a lot of the driving, which was good. Being on my L's, I get to do a lot of hours, which is good. That's good because you need a lot of hours for your L's, don't you? How many do you need these days? A hundred day hours and 20 night hours. Oh, wow. And where were you going on this trip? So the original plan was to go all the way up to Birdsville, across the Simpson Desert, and down to Fink, um, yep. basically near the middle of Australia. Yeah, well, that would have got you a lot of hours. Definitely. We ended up getting up to Birdsville. We got yep. across the first two sand dunes and got a hole in the fuel tank. Oh, no. Really? Yep. It was that so sucks. bad. So we went back to Birdsville and we got it fixed, but we couldn't go on the trip. Oh, yeah, because everyone else was continuing over the desert and you couldn't couldn't go. It was also just a temporary patch. Oh, okay, yeah. If you lose fuel in the desert, it's not good because you only got so much. Yeah, well, that's true. You wouldn't want to get stuck out there, would you? No. So in the end, we just went up to Bundaberg, saw yep. family there, down to the Gold Coast and saw family all the way down to Newcastle and back up here. So I ended up oh, getting wow. something like 50 hours and we did something like 6,000K. So. Oh, wow. Now, was it obviously it wasn't just you because you can't drive by yourself on your L's. Who was who was with the trip? So it was my brother and my cousin. Mm-hmm. We were the ones. And then once we got up to Bundaberg, our cousin has a twin, and yep. she jumped in the car as well when we went down to Newcastle. Oh, nice. So you did get to share the driving around a little bit. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Oh, that's awesome. I'm glad that you're able to get lots of hours up um, and lots of driving experience because there would have been lots of different roads and everything up there. Yeah, definitely. There was a lot of roads with potholes and everything. And Oh, yep. Sort of already used to that. The roads here aren't too good, but yeah. Yeah, but you would have got freeway driving, highway driving, then in towns and stuff like that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, a lot of the driving was actually like no one for 100 miles, but it it was pretty good. Oh, that's good. It is always nice to do a big road trip during the holidays and get to see some of our country because as Australians, we seem to always like going overseas and not seeing all the wonders that we have right here in Australia. Mm. And you would have got to see a lot of that, hey? Definitely. It was pretty cool. It was first time going out to like the middle of Australia. So out in the Red Centre was pretty cool and got to see the desert, which is the first time doing that. And Birdsville and all the little towns in there, which was pretty cool. That's awesome. I'm glad you had a really good time. Now, Noah, with all that travelling that you did, what did you learn about God? Well, I learned that he's very faithful. When we were out in the desert, we got back to Birdsville and... From there to the next town was already a long way, and that next town didn't have petrol. Mm-hmm. And so we had to go to the next town after that. And the rate the tank was leaking, we never would have made it. Mm-hmm. And it's like out in the middle of nowhere. If you're stuck there, like cars come past not very often. Yep. And so we were praying and looking everywhere in Birdsville to see if we could find some stuff to patch the tank. Yep. And it was the last place we looked, we finally found some stuff. Oh, uh, wow. Praise God, eh? Big answer to prayer. I mean, yep. it was a big answer of prayer just that we got to go in the first place because I thought we weren't going. And then we just had so many friends that got together and helped out getting the car ready and everything. And then it was like, wow, we're actually going. Yeah. Wow. It's always good to know when we're on these big trips that God always comes with us and he answers our prayers and looks out for us more than what we probably even know. Oh, Definitely. And that was a big answer to prayer to be able to find a patch for the fuel tank because without fuel, you can't go anywhere, can you? (laughs) Well, today we are on study number 13, and it's called Who is the Antichrist? Part 1. 
Now, in part one of the study, we're going to go through the Bible and find 10 characteristics of who the Antichrist is. And then next week, we're going to do part two, and that's going to reveal who it is. So if you've ever wondered who the Antichrist of Bible prophecy is, stick around for today and next week to find out who the Antichrist is. And if you would like to follow along with our Bible study today, you can text SOP13 with no spaces to 04888880831 for the PDF of today's study guide. Also, we have an awesome free offer for you today, and it fits perfectly with our study. So stick around to get the code word. You're listening to Tableland Explorers on Faith FM. Here is Will Morrison with The Lion and the Lamb. He's coming on the clouds, kings and kingdoms will bow down. And every chain will break, his broken hearts declare his praise. For who can stop the Lord Almighty? Our God is the light, the lion of Judah. He's roaring with power and fighting our battles. Every knee will bow before Him. Our God is the Lamb, the Lamb that was slain for the sin of the world. His blood breaks the chains, and every knee will bow before the Lion and the Lamb. Every knee.
Welcome back to Tableland Explorers. Today we are going through the Secrets of Prophecy Bible Study Guides. These study guides are taking us through some of the most amazing prophecies of the Bible. Some of them have already been fulfilled, some of them are being fulfilled right now, and some of them will be fulfilled in the near future. They will also cover some of the most important teachings of the Bible. If you're a keen student of the Bible or just interested in what the Bible says, then these studies are for you. If you are just joining us and would like to catch up on this study or previous studies, you can go to faithfm.com.au and go to the podcast section and look for the Tableland Explorers. Or you can go to the App Store and download the FaithFM Australia app. We're about to start our study, so if you would like to follow along, then text SOP13 with no spaces to 04888880831. Our study is titled, Who is the Antichrist? Part 1. Before we start our study and open up our study guides in our Bibles, let's just have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, as we open our Bibles and to study your word, Lord, we're hitting a pretty heavy topic today. We're looking at who the Antichrist is. We're looking at the devil's plan. Lord, you're, you're revealing his plan through Scripture, Lord, and he doesn't want this plan to be able to get out for people to know and understand. So as we are reading your word and studying, Lord, I pray you open our hearts and minds to what we are reading and learning here. You give us this information in your word to prepare us, to help us not be deceived. So help us to understand it, Lord, that we may not be deceived and that we'll be able to follow you wherever you go. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. For hundreds of years, the religious world has been fascinated and fearful of the Antichrist. The mystical figure is seen as a representative of the devil, a political and religious leader associated with evil and deception. Antichrist characters feature in movies, books and video games, from horror, thrillers to religious films. The Antichrist is a source of intrigue and mystery. Speculation relating to the identity of the Antichrist has resulted in a wide range of candidates. Some of the early candidates were the persecuting Roman emperors, in particular Nero and Diocletian, who killed countless Christians and certainly opposed the worship of Jesus Christ. Many Christians believe the Antichrist will be a political figure at the end of time. The political and military geniuses who establish a one-world government and rule the world. His headquarters will be in Jerusalem where he will demand worship and obedience. The Muslims have their own views regarding the Antichrist. This person is an evil power who appears to promote love and truth, but through deceptive powers actually promotes death and evil. Also, Nostradamus made a number of prophecies about the Antichrist. He actually predicted three Antichrists. His followers believed Napoleon was the first Antichrist and Hitler was the second. The third, associated with the mystical name Mabus, is yet to come. With such a wide range of views, how can we accurately identify the Antichrist? Is the Antichrist an individual or an alliance of evil? Will the Antichrist appear in the future, or is he alive today? What role will the Antichrist play in the final events of world history? And how can you be certain to avoid the sinister plans of this deceptive power? In this two-part series, we will dive into the secrets of prophecy and allow the scriptures to clearly identify the Antichrist of Bible prophecy. Alright, so question 1 says, what does the Bible say about the Antichrist? 2 John 1.7 says, 
For many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. You know, the term antichrist is only mentioned in four passages of the Bible, all in the letter of John. In each case, the term is used to portray a false teacher or deceptive power that corrupts the faith within the church. You're right. And the word antichrist also literally means instead of Christ or in the place of Christ. John said there were many antichrists within the early church in 1 John 2.18. And these antichrists all had a misconception about Jesus Christ. You know, the original antichrist is the devil himself. It was Lucifer who first wanted to take the place of Christ, and that's what it says in Isaiah 14.12-14. And it was he who continually opposes and misrepresents him. Within Bible prophecy, there is one specific Antichrist who is described in great detail. This power would rise after the time of the early church and have a dramatic impact on the history of the world. That leads us to question number two, which says, What is the name of the Antichrist that would arise after the time of the early church? We find this answer in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1-4. to And the Bible says, Now, brethren, concerning the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to Him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God and that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Within the early church, some people believe and taught that Jesus would return in their day. The Apostle Paul refuted this concept. He predicted that before Jesus returned, the church would experience a major spiritual fall. This falling away would reveal the man of sin. The great Antichrist would exalt himself and be involved in breaking or disregarding the law of God. You know, it is interesting to note that the Antichrist of prophecy would arise within the church. In a similar way, Jesus referred to his disciple Judas as the son of perdition. Judas was a leader in the church who wanted power more than he wanted Christ. Most people think the Antichrist will be a secular political leader, but the Bible is clear. The Antichrist will come from the world of religion. Most of the prophecies relating to the Antichrist are featured in the book of Daniel and Revelation. In these prophecies, a variety of symbols are used to describe the characteristics and activities of the Antichrist. In the book of Daniel, the Antichrist's power is symbolized as a little horn, in Daniel chapter 7. In the book of Revelation, the same power is described as the first beast of Revelation 13, and Babylon in Revelation 17. In each case, the identifying marks are very similar, indicating the same power presented from slightly different angles. You know, the focus of this study will be an investigation on Daniel 7. This chapter is vital because it outlines the empires of history and identifies very specific characteristics of the Antichrist. It also lays down the foundation for future descriptions of the Antichrist in the book of Revelation. Today in our study, we are only going to be reading a few verses from Daniel 7, but we encourage you to read the whole thing 
and notice especially the descriptions and characteristics of the little horn. Now, if you would like to follow along with our Bible study today, you can text SOP13 with no spaces to 04888880831 for the PDF of today's study guide. Today we're on study guide 13, Who is the Antichrist Part 1? Also, we have an awesome free offer for you today, and it fits perfectly with our study, so stick around and get the code word. You're listening to Tableland Explorers on Faith FM. Here is Carly Fletcher with God to Know You. God to know you is to search out who you really are. To know you is to read your word and humbly learn of what you do. To pray and talk with you. This is my desire To know you God, to know you Is to come before you as I am To know you Is to feel my utter helplessness and
Welcome back to Table and Explorers. Today we are going through the Secrets of Prophecy Bible Study Guides. These study guides are taking us through some of the most amazing prophecies of the Bible. Some of them have already been fulfilled. Some are being fulfilled right now and some will be fulfilled in the near future. They will also cover some of the most important teachings of the Bible. If you are a keen student of the Bible or just interested in what the Bible says, these studies are for you. If you are just joining us and would like to catch up on this study or previous studies, you can go to faithfm.com.au and go to the podcast section and look for Tableland Explorers. Or you can go to your app store and download the Faith FM Australia app. Let's get back to our study. We are on study number 13 and at question number 3. Alright, now question 3 says, What did Daniel see coming up from the wind-swept sea? The answer is in Daniel chapter 7, verse 2 and 3, and it says, Daniel spoke, saying, I saw in my visions by night, and behold, four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea, and four great beasts came up out of the sea, each different from the other. You know, while in vision, Daniel saw four great animals come up out of the sea. Each of these beasts were different animals with unique characteristics. Alright, this is the part of the study where we're starting to get into some of the symbols of Bible prophecy. And question 4 says, In Bible prophecy, what do the following symbols represent? The first symbol we're going to look at is the winds. And we find this answer in Jeremiah 49, 36 and 37. The Bible says, Against Elam I will bring the four winds from the four quarters of heaven and scatter them toward all those winds. There shall be no nations where the outcasts of Elam will not go. For I will cause Elam to be dismayed before their enemies, and before those who seek their life. I will bring disaster upon them, my fierce anger, says the Lord, and I will send the sword after them until I have consumed them. This verse is telling us that the winds are a symbol of strife, destruction, and war. A wind-swept sea is one where there is plenty of unrest and commotion. So if that's what the winds represent, then what does the sea represent? We find the answer in Revelation 17, verse 15, and it says, And he said to me, The waters which you saw, where the harlot sits, are people, multitudes, nations, and tongues. You know, the sea represents an area of vast population, a place where there are many people from a wide background of nationalities, even today, we refer to such a group as a sea of faces. The beasts in Daniel's vision were coming up out of a very populated area of the globe. So the next symbol we're going to look at is a beast. What does a beast represent in Bible prophecy? Let's look at two verses here. The first one is Daniel chapter 7, verse 17. The Bible says, Those great beasts which are four are four kings, which arise out of the earth. And our second verse is Daniel chapter 7, verse 23. And the Bible says, Thus he said, The fourth beast shall be a fourth kingdom on earth, which shall be different from all other kingdoms, and shall devour the whole earth, trample it, and break it in pieces. A beast is a symbol for a kingdom or a political power. The use of an animal to represent a nation is still in use today. For instance, the eagle represents the United States and the kangaroo represents Australia. A beast is not necessarily a negative symbol. It simply means an animal that has characteristics that represent a nation. Yeah, and you know, in Daniel 7, we find four great nations or political powers, all different from one another. 
rising up from populated areas of the world where there has been a history of war and destruction. You know, by comparing the prophecy of Daniel 2, that great image that we did right back near the beginning of our series, with this prophecy of Daniel 7, it is evident that Daniel is seeing the same succession of world empires. Both prophecies are aligned perfectly. However, the prophecy of Daniel 7 provides greater detail and a number of additional interesting facts. In Daniel 2, metals are used to symbolize the nations, while in Daniel 7, beasts or animals are used. To illustrate the link between the two prophecies, the fourth beast of Daniel 7 has iron teeth and is called the fourth kingdom. The power represented by iron in Daniel 2 is also called the fourth kingdom. The four kingdoms represented in both Daniel 2 and Daniel 7 are Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece and Rome. If you would like to follow along with our Bible study today, you can text SOP13 with no spaces to 04888880831 for the PDF of today's study guide. Today we are going through study guide 13, Who is the Antichrist? Part 1. Also, we have an awesome free offer for you today. It fits perfectly with our study today. So stick around to get your code word. You're listening to Tableland Explorers on Faith FM. Here is Casting Crowns with Loving My Jesus. I was a wandering soul Traveling a well-worn road A sinner so far from home No second chance inside I heard you call my Felt you lift my shame And I made a vow that day That I'd spend the rest of my life Loving my Jesus Showing my scars Telling my story Of how mercy And I pray the whole world hears the cry of my heart Is to see all the ones I love Loving my Jesus Sin tries to make you Whispers that same old life Keep all your pain inside Cause no one will understand The last thing this lost world is Someone I'm trying to be The truth that has set me free Is that I'm just a
last song's been sung I stand face to face with the one Who gave all for me May all I have to show Be all that mattered most Making your great name known Let this be my only legacy Loving my Jesus Showing my scars Telling my story Of how mercy Can reach you where you are That I pray the whole world hears The cry of my heart Is to see all the ones Welcome back to Tableland Explorers. We have been going through the secrets of prophecy Bible study guides, and today we are exploring the Bible to find the characteristics of the Antichrist. We have worked out that Antichrist literally means instead of Christ, or in the place of Christ. This shows that the Antichrist power would come from the world of religion. If you are just joining us and would like to catch up on this study or previous studies, you can go to faithfm.com.au and go to the podcast section and look for Tableland Explorers, or you can go to your app store and download the Faith FM Australia app. Let's get back to our study. We are on study number 13 and question 5. Question 5 is, what beast is used to symbolize the first kingdom, Babylon? The answer is in Daniel 7, verse 4, and it says, And the first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. You know, the king of beasts is a perfect symbol for the proud and powerful Babylon and an ideal parallel to the head of gold in Daniel 2. The prophet Jeremiah also described the king of Babylon as being like a lion, which he says in Jeremiah 50, verse 43 and 44. Our next question is question number six, and it says, What animal is used to represent the second kingdom, Medo-Persia? Daniel chapter 7, verse 5 says, and suddenly another beast, a second, like a bear. It was raised up on one side and had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. The coalition government of the Medes and the Persians was lopsided because the Persians were much stronger entity than the Medes. The bear had three ribs in its mouth which indicate it had eaten other beasts. The three major powers conquered by Medo-Persia were Babylon, Lydia and Egypt. Alright, question 7 says, what animal is used to represent the third kingdom, Greece? The answer is in Daniel 7 and verse 6, and it says, After this I looked, and there was another, like a leopard, which had on its back four wings of a bird, and the beast also had four heads, and dominion was given unto it. You know, a leopard with four wings represents a very fast and attacking empire. Notice the leopard has four heads. After the death of Alexander, the Greek Empire was divided between his four generals, the heads of his empire. Question 8. The fourth kingdom, 
pagan Rome is symbolized by a powerful creature with iron teeth and ten horns. What do the ten horns represent? We find this answer in Daniel chapter 7 verse 24 and 25. The ten horns are ten kings who shall arise from this kingdom and another shall rise after them. He shall be different from the first ones and shall subdue three kings. He shall speak pompous words against the Most High, shall persecute the saints of the Most High, and shall intend to change times and laws. Then the saints shall be given into his hand for a time and times and half a time. Just as the iron legs of Rome divided into the iron and clay feet and ten toes of Daniel 2, now we find Daniel seeing ten horns arising out of the power of Rome. A horn is another symbol for a kingdom. That's in Daniel chapter 7 verse 28 and in Daniel chapter 8 verse 22. The ten horns are the ten powers that rose from the divided Roman Empire. These nations are what we see today as Western Europe. Alright, question 9 says, What did Daniel see coming up out of the ten horns? The answer is found in Daniel chapter 7 and verse 8, and it says, I was considering the horns, and there was another horn, a little one, coming up among them, before whom three of the first horns were plucked out by the roots. And there in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking pompous words. You know, the little horn and the judgment is the focus of the rest of the chapter, it is this power that provides the additional information to the Daniel 2 prophecy. Here we will see the character and the power of the little horn, the great antichrist of prophecy. We have an awesome free offer for you today, and it fits perfectly with our study, so save this number in your phone, 04888880831. That's 04888880831. And wait for the code word that is coming up soon. You're listening to Tableland Explorers on Faith FM, and here is Jeremy Camp with Give Me Jesus. In the morning, when I rise, in the morning, when I rise, in the morning, when I rise, give me Jesus. Jesus, give me Jesus, give me Jesus, you can have all this world, just give me Jesus, when I Oh, this world. 
die Oh, when I come to die Give me Jesus Give me Jesus Welcome back to Table and Explorers. We have been going through the Secrets of Prophecy Bible Study Guides, and today we are exploring the Bible to find the characteristics of the Antichrist. We have worked out that the Antichrist literally means instead of Christ, or in the place of Christ. This shows that the Antichrist power would come from the world of religion. After comparing Daniel chapter 2 and 7, and seeing that they are giving us the same information but in a different way, and with Daniel 7 giving us a little bit more detail, we are able to find 10 clues to help us discover who the Antichrist of Bible prophecy is. And we are about to go through those clues right now. But first, if you are just joining us and would like to catch up on this study or previous studies, you can go to faithfm.com.au and go to the podcast section and look for Table and Explorers. Or you can go to your app store and download the Faith FM Australia app. Let's get back to our study. We are on study number 13 and question 10. Question 10 in our study. What are the characteristics that clearly identify the Antichrist power of the little horn? During our study of Daniel chapter 7 today, we found 10 clues that can identify the Antichrist of Bible prophecy. Clue number 1. It arises from Western Europe. This little horn was seen in amongst the ten horns, coming up from them, rising out of the head of the fourth beast. That's in Daniel chapter 7 verse 8. This information provides us with a geographical location of the rise of the little horn. Since the ten horns represent the divisions of the Roman Empire into the nations of Western Europe, The little horn would arise from somewhere within that region. Alright, clue two is that it's a little kingdom. 
This political power has a unique characteristic of being a little horn. That's found in Daniel 7 verse 8. Here we have a small nation that will accomplish large things. And clue number three. It arises after the ten tribes of Europe were established. The little horn, Antichrist, not only comes out of the ten horns, but also comes to power after the ten horns were established. And another shall arise after them. Daniel 7 verse 24. The ten horns were finally established in 476 AD. So we are looking for a power which gained its political influence after this date. Clue 4. It overcomes three political powers as it rises to prominence. The Bible says that three of the original ten horns were plucked out by the roots. That's in Daniel 7 verse 8. The little horn would overcome three of the tribes of Europe on its way to dominance. Three of the original kingdoms had been removed by 538 AD. This kingdom would come to power somewhere around 538 AD. Clue number five. It is different from the other ten powers. The ten tribes of Western Europe were all secular political powers. The little horn was unique. There was something different about this power. Clue 6. It would have a man at its head who speaks for it. Although this power is a political entity, it would have eyes like the eyes of a man. That's in Daniel 7 verse 8. A man would be the focus of this power and would be the absolute spokesperson. That's in Daniel 7 verse 8. Clue number 7. It would speak blasphemies against God. This power delves into religion, speaking pompous words against the Most High, or words against the Most High. That's found in Daniel chapter 7, verse 25. Clue 8. It would persecute God's people. The little horn power would persecute the saints of the Most High. That's in Daniel 7, verse 25. We are looking for a power who is responsible for the deaths of faithful Christians. Clue number 9. It would be in power for 1,260 years. This power rules for a time and times and half a time. By comparing Daniel 7.25 with Revelation 12.6 and 14, it is clear that this time prophecy is another way of saying 1,260 days. A time is one year, times is two years, and half a time is six months. And as the Amplified Bible translates it, three and a half years. Based on a 30-day calendar used by the ancient scriptures, Three and a half years is 1260 days. In Bible prophecy, a day is a symbolic code for a literal year. Ezekiel 4.6 tells us that. Thus, 1260 days represents 1260 literal years. Seven times in the book of Daniel and Revelation, the same time period is given using different phrases to represent the length of rule for this Antichrist power. Clue 10. This power would attempt to change times and laws. In one of the most intriguing clues of all, the little horn would intend to change times and law. That's found in Daniel 7 verse 25. In our search for the identity of the Antichrist, we need to discover which power would attempt to alter times in connection with the law. So that's the 10 clues that we found from Daniel chapter 7. 
Now, some of them were like, I didn't get that from the study. I encourage you to go back to Daniel chapter 7, read the entire chapter, and make notes as you go through it to be able to find these identifying marks of the Antichrist. They're all there in Daniel chapter 7. In the next study guide, you will have the opportunity to investigate the facts and clearly identify the Antichrist. You will see the impact this power has had on the world and look at some of the practical tips on how to respond to upcoming deceptions. We have an awesome free offer for you today and it fits perfectly with our study, so save this number in your phone, 04888880831. That's 04888880831. And wait for the code word that is coming up soon. You're listening to Tableland Explorers on Faith FM and here is Carol Robinson with A Thing Called Love. God came down and he lived as a man Showed his love as he walked this land But it was too great to understand This thing called love He touched the blind and made them see Raised the dead and set the captives free Gave his life upon a tree Cause of love You can't see it with your eyes Hold it in your hand But like the wind that covers our land Strong enough to change the heart of any man This thing called love It can lift you up Never let you down Take your world Turn it all around Ever since time Nothing's ever been found Strong is God's love He became poor that we could be rich Into a world that was sick The problem of sin he came to fix Because of love can take a life of emptiness, fill it with love and righteousness. I thank God my life's been blessed with God's love. You can't see it with your eyes, hold it in your hand, but like the wind that covers our land, strong enough to change the heart of any man, this thing called love. It can lift you up. Never let you down, take your world, turn it all around. Ever since time, nothing's ever been found, strong is God's love. Ever since time, nothing's ever been found, strong is God's love. Welcome back to Table and Explorers. We have been going through the Secrets of Prophecy Bible Study Guides, and today we have explored the Bible to find the clues that will help us identify the Antichrist of Bible prophecy. We discovered 10 clues or 10 characteristics of the Antichrist. If we are to apply all these clues to our world power, then we will have to have all 10 characteristics. They can't have 8 or 9 of them. All 10 have to be applied and proved. If you are just joining us and would like to catch up on this study or previous studies, 
you can go to faithfm.com.au and go to the podcast section and look for Table and Explorers. Or you can go to your app store and download the Faith FM Australia app. Let's get back to our study. Well, after our study in Daniel chapter 7 today, I think there are three points that we need to remember. The first point, an antichrist is a person or entity that opposes or attempts to take the place of Jesus Christ. The antichrist of prophecy is called the man of sin. And Daniel chapter 7 provides at least 10 clues to identify the Antichrist of prophecy. Now, Noah, do you think these three clues sort of wrap up our study? Yeah, definitely. It just gives us all the clues to really find out who it is. It really does, and they're very simple and easy to understand clues. Mm. And I actually like the first point to remember, and I think this is for everyone, that the Antichrist is a personal entity that opposes or attempts to take the place of Jesus Christ. It's interesting there where it says a person, like that can be us. We could have an antichrist spirit. We could have that type of spirit that is putting other things in the place of Christ and putting us in the place of Christ. Mm. You know, this reminds me of a story. You know, Daniel was a pastor who had just been assigned a new church in Tennessee. Daniel's identical twin brother, Paul, could also preach quite well. Daniel decided to provide a graphic illustration on the subject of counterfeits. So he asked his brother to preach the sermon next week. In the sermon, Paul stated that many would be deceived by the Antichrist in the last day. Halfway through the presentation, Paul asked his congregation if they believed he was their pastor, Daniel. They all put up their hands and started to laugh. To their utter shock, Pastor Daniel then emerged from the side entry and stood beside his twin brother. Unwittingly, the church was fooled. What lessons can we learn from this story? <laughs> Looks can be deceiving. It really can, can't it? What do you think the people in that church would have been like? Like, I think I would have been a little bit more like, wow, like I didn't even know the difference. Yeah, that's, it'd be pretty trippy. It'd be weird. It would be. I've got, um, I've had these friends that were, twins and you sometimes you couldn't tell them apart and when they were together you sort of could when they were separate you really couldn't um this story kind of shows that how you know it's talking about counterfeits right and the devil has this counterfeit gospel out there that looks so close to the real thing Mm. and we're seeing that you know this antichrist isn't something that opposes the church it's coming from within the religious world and it may look right it may look like what Jesus was trying to teach us, but it's not going to be the same. No, and I guess that's why we need to test everything by the Bible so that we know if it doesn't agree with the Bible, then it's not the truth. Mm, very true. You know, what do you think the um, overall attitude that underlines an antichrist? Well, I think that um, the main attitude is selfishness. Mm. They want to be in the place of God. They want everything for themselves. Yeah, they can. And that can be our own characters. We can have that antichrist spirit as we are talking about earlier. And I think you're right in the fact that it's putting something else above God, Mm. really. You know, the word antichrist in place of God. If God's supposed to be number one in our lives, that antichrist spirit is putting something else in place of God. Yeah. I think we do that a lot. Yeah, we do, don't we? Let's... um. Keep that in our prayer to be able to try not to do that and always be praying to put Jesus first. Mm. So with that in mind, in what ways do some Christians demonstrate an antichrist attitude today? Well, I think one of the ways they do 
is um, following Jesus how they want to. Instead mm. of following it how the Bible says and how he says to follow him, they kind of go around and they kind of just go around some of the things and do what they like, you know, listen to some rules, not others. Yeah, they kind of like cherry pick out of the Bible. Mm. And, you know, some Christians try and make the Bible suit their lifestyle. Like We're to change our lives to fit the Bible, but some people seem to try and change the Bible to fit their lives, and that's something that we need to be really careful about, and that's where we can start putting something else in front of Christ because we're, le- we're trying to lead ourselves and not let Christ lead. Mm, yeah, and you know the, um, the Bible says to repent and be baptized, and repent mm. literally means a U-turn. It means yep. completely changing what you're doing, and if you're trying to adapt the Bible for what you're doing, then really you're not changing what you're doing. Yeah, we really do need to put Jesus first and the Bible first and have that mindset of going, you know what, I am going to believe the Bible, I am going to follow the Bible in everything that I do to try and live the best life that I can. Now, Luke, what do you think is the attitude of a true Christian and how do you think we should demonstrate it in our life? I think we have sort of discussed a little bit about that, but I think that our true attitude needs to be having Christ number one, Mm. like following him wherever he goes and going, you know what, if the Bible says that I shouldn't do something, then I'm not going to do it. Mm. You know, even though I might feel like I want to or have a desire to, um, I want to be able to follow Jesus, right? Andy Christ is in place of Jesus. We want to put Jesus number one and to be able to follow him wherever he goes, and to demonstrate in that our lives is to be able to live by the word of God. Mm, definitely. You know, the reformers went through the soul of scripture, the Bible and the Bible alone. And when my thoughts, when my traditions, everything goes against the Bible, I need to follow the Bible and not those thoughts or those traditions. Mm, yeah. What, you got anything to add to that? Um, no, not really. I think it's just we need to follow Jesus' example. When he was on earth, he was mm. selfless. He followed what God wanted him to do to the yep. letter. He did not argue. You know, he did not hesitate. He just did it. And I think we can really take a big thing from that. Yeah, using Jesus as an example in our life. And I think that's a really good um, spot to finish. Um, we've got our response question, though, because when we do a study, we always want to be able to respond to what we have learned. And our response question for today is, are you willing to accept God's truth, even if it means you will need to make changes in your life? Uh, my answer to that question is yes. And Yeah, absolutely. I think we've kind of been talking about that's the answer of living a Christian life, isn't it? And yeah. Following Jesus wherever he goes. Thanks, Noah, for coming into the studio today to have a Bible study. That's all right. It's been fun. It has been fun, and we've... Learned the clues for who the Antichrist is, and we haven't told you who it is, so you have to come back next week to find out who it is, or you can take these clues and try and work it out yourself. But now as we come time to the end of our study, let's have a prayer to finish our study. And Noah, would you like to pray for us sure. to finish up? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for a wonderful study that we've had today. Just please help all of us to not have the Antichrist spirit and for us all to be selfless and just do exactly what God wants us to do, Lord. And we know we can only do that with your help, Lord. So please come into our hearts and, um, yeah, just be with us in the rest of our week, Lord. Amen. Amen. It has come time in the show to give you the code word for today's free offer. Today, we are giving away the book, The Antichrist Agenda. 
This compelling book will move you beyond prophetic theory and popular fiction back to the Bible, where all the answers are provided. The author presents a careful study and faithful interpretation of prophecy that agrees with the early Christian church fathers. Drawing on the Bible only, they identify the Antichrist power and the agenda that succeeded in pointing the finger of prophecy away from the real mark of the beast. So too is the truth of Christ's second coming unveiled from Scripture. This book will help every Christian experience the inner peace of Christ in assurance of his truth as they face the forces of evil in earth's final battle. If you would like this book to help you understand the Antichrist agenda, then you need the code hashtag TE25. Text that code to 04888880831 and our Faith FM bot will take down your details and we'll get you this book as soon as we can. We have a box full to give away, so if you want one, then you'll get one. The code again is hashtag TE25. Text that code to 04888880831 to get your free copy of the book, The Antichrist Agenda. Our next study is called Who is the Antichrist Part 2? Is there a power in the world today that fits all 10 clues that we found in the Bible? The answer is yes. During the week, take these clues yourself and see if you can work out who the Antichrist is. Then join us next week and we will apply all 10 clues to a power that is the Antichrist of Bible prophecy. And let's see if we can come up with the same answer. I think we will. Thanks for tuning in today to Tableland Explorers of Faith FM. If you're not sure about any of the things we've talked about on the show today, we want to encourage you to pray, ask God for clarity, and study the Bible for yourself. As David says in Psalm 119, God's Word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. God bless you and we'll see you next time. 